BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. It's going down right here. Welcome to FST, the Friday edition. You never hear me say Friday because I think it's weird. We are in those Friday. And I hope you're excited. We had some football last night, but seriously, 5 nothing, 5 nothing. What? Indians-Phillies. <laughs> was that? What was that? Joe Buck even had to make a whole bunch of baseball jokes, which were on point, frankly. Because that game was terrible. The Browns get down to the goal line. They run four pass plays, four of the worst pass plays I've seen uh, this decade. So I don't really know what they were thinking there. Doing a nice job with the Hyde Chubb uh, one-two punch. They get down there. Let's throw it four times into traffic and throw fades with guys that don't know where to be. And it was gross. It really was gross. Um, the Eagles took a safety because Nick Foles can't get out of his own way. He was miserable last night. If his name was Nate Sudfeld, he'd be cut. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And, you know, listen, remember, they, they want to be cautious with the face of their franchise, hopefully their quarterback for the next 12 years, Carson Wentz, right? So they, they can't be in a position where they need to rush Carson Wentz back. I don't think the organization would do that anyway. But, you know, some of the, some of the shine is off the, off the luster, let's say, for Nick Foles already. You know, there's a reason that backup quarterbacks are backup quarterbacks. We talk about this all the time when platoon players get a lot more at-bats, when these guys who are number two running backs sign contracts in the NFL will be the lead dog, a la Lamar Miller, potentially out of Jarek McKinnon. And, you know, Foles had a great stretch. Don't get me wrong, right? He outperformed Tom Brady in the Super but um, it was still a small sample size, and there's a reason he's a backup. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about weeks one and two for Philly. Yeah, that was rough. I mean, he tripped over, tripped over himself, took the safety. Both interceptions were bad picks. Um, so you look at 13 of 17 and 127, yeah, that sounds okay. But, I mean, he took a safety on his own, and – three turnovers because he fumbled one as well so right. uh, it sounded like Doug Peterson was not too happy based on some sideline reporting we got from Aaron Andrews so uh, Foles is either going to have to get his stuff together or I, I don't know what they're going to do uh, they can't as you said rush Wentz back they just have to take Wentz at the pace that they're trying to bring him along at but uh, two games is probably the absolute max that they'd want to go 
uh, leaving him on the sidelines. You know, Foles was up and down. You know, he, like you said, he had a good run, but he was also up and down uh, to some extent uh, last right. year. It wasn't – he didn't just come in and blow the roof off the league. He had some issues when it came to um, – when he first came in there, but, uh, you know, to, to the victors go the spoils. So people are going to remember him fondly in Philly and uh, not just make an overreaction to one. Bad I mean, he got a book deal night. out of it. He got a book yeah, deal exactly. out of it, blew it, you know, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I wish I could get a book deal, but in any, way, I don't think he's going to have to pay for a meal in, in the city of brotherly love for a while. No, certainly not. So, uh, on the flip side of things, uh, you know, Tara Taylor did look okay, but that was a really a miserable, uh, goal line sequence there. Uh, Baker Mayfield did throw a pick. Uh, both guys had slight scares with injury. Taylor's looked a yeah. lot worse, but seems like he's okay. Rest, I would yeah. imagine that hand will be pretty hand wrist will be pretty sore for a bit, but he won't have to play until week one anyway. So uh, Baker Mayfield, eight of twelve, he does throw a pick. Um, but you know the the thing, the guy that I've really been focused on in this offense, really been two guys in the Cleveland offense throughout the preseason that I've had my eyes on, and it's Carlos Hyde and Jarvis Landry, yep. and both of Absolutely. those guys are performing well. Uh, I've, I have th- been getting Carlos Hyde at value. I think him playing well during this preseason is probably creeping him up a little bit on draft boards, but I still feel like, uh, to some extent, I can get Hyde at value because people are going to assume that he's going to give way to Nick Chubb, and he very well might. Uh, the, the struggle I've had with this is understanding, and I talked to Gary Davenport, who is a uh, prolific um, writer for Bleacher Report and Fantasy Sharks and others. He's a guest on my show on the weekends all the time. Uh, but the struggle I've been having with this Browns running back duo, trio, is that with the two, Chubb and High, the ones that are most likely to be, I've been concerned about it being a committee, but a committee in week week by week right. or quarter by quarter of the season. Not right. that uh, Hyde will see 15 carries and Chubb will see eight every week, for example. It has been that I've been worried that Hyde will play for a bit and maybe this Browns offense struggles and they try to gain a spark from the rookie and then Hyde is out. Right. So you're only really renting him for four or six games or however long it takes. So that's been my concern. But, you know, Dane, we talked about it yesterday. You're not going to draft 16 guys in your home league and keep all 16. So you have to go in knowing that, all right, I might have to spend on Carlos Hyde being my RB3 and expect to lose him as an asset at some point during the season. That's okay because the reality is there could be scenarios where you have Carlos Hyde for four weeks and then you have Dalvin Cook for uh, – he picks up, and then maybe he gets hurt again. So you get Dalvin Cook for six weeks. I'm playing a huge hypothetical here. Sure. And then maybe you have, I don't know, Chris Warren from Oakland for for a month at the end of the season. And you've pieced together an RB1, even though only one of those guys at the end of the season is an RB1, or maybe none of them rank as an RB1. So there are scenarios where you can piece this together throughout the season. And frankly, you're going to be a – a more fruitful fantasy owner if you're working the waiver wire in that way and trying to predict some of these things down the road. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Blewett. You know, uh, the first point that, you know, the 16 or 18 people that you draft this weekend are not going to be the people on your roster, you know, come Thanksgiving, right? I also, I have been on the Carlos Hyde bandwagon. Um, I thought that he was the better back. I thought he would be the lead dog in Cleveland. Me and uh, the all-in kid, when he was still here, we were going back and forth on this a lot. He was team Chubb and he was team Josh Gordon and I was team Carlos Hyde and Jarvis. Landry and I think Hyde has really shown that he can be an RB2 he has been that before you know he's had some production out of the passing game as well I like Carlos Hyde but the thing for me and I've, I've said this uh, about some other players to your point you're thinking also about like who are going to be your playmakers in weeks 12 through through 16 right and by that point in time they may want to get a longer look at a guy like Nick Chubb right Maybe there is similar to Tyrod Taylor, or shall I call him Tarod, as we talked about in the last hour. Apparently, that's the you go correct. Now, yeah, that's apparently the correct pronunciation. Uh, you yeah. know, from Hard Knocks and all. So. And, and this happens a lot with the rookie running backs. You know, we were talking about this as it related to guys like Ronald Jones or Rashad Penny as well, how over time the balance kind of shifts, right? And so you may expect that, but Carlos Hyde, I think, is an asset um, for the start of the year. I'd also add this, Blewett. I'm starting to go down on Duke Johnson there because Carlos Hyde can do a little bit in the passing game. And, and don't forget also, with Josh Gordon actually there, Jarvis Land who we know they use in the slot, but I think is going to stretch the field a little bit more this year with Cleveland. They're using him on some, like, you know, down the sideline, back shoulder throws, and I think they're going to use him in the end zone a little bit more. You have the potential emergence out of David, the Njoku is on you, and I think that that compromises the target share for Duke Johnson, so I'm a little bit down on Duke Johnson, but I agree with you. I am on Team Hyde and Team Landry. I think Hyde, you can get at value, as you were saying, and I am more and more comfortable with with Jarvis Landry as my wide receiver too, even in standard scoring. Yeah, so right now, ADP consensus in PPR leagues, Hyde at 31, so mid-range RB3. Uh, Duke yeah, Johnson at 36 uh, right there as your flex. And then Nick Chubb at 40. I'm actually comfortable with all of those. Uh, I think you make an interesting point about Duke Johnson. Um I don't think I could take him as my RB3 right now. Yeah, I'd prefer him as an RB4, which he's right on the cusp there. So, you know, Jamal Williams right behind him, Marlon Mack right behind him, Isaiah mm-hmm. Crowell and Tariq Cohen right in front of him. Uh, I can tell you I like Crowell, Williams, and Mack. Mm, well, Crowell and Williams more than Duke Johnson. I don't know about sure. Mack. Yeah, I don't know about Mack because I think – um, Jordan He's Wilkins right will be now. an example of this kind of thing as well. I think Jordan Absolutely. Wilkins might be one of those running backs that ascend over their rookie year, get more and more trust, and I think he may supplant Mac uh, by the time the fantasy playoffs roll around. Yeah, so we'll come back to Mac in one second. But first, get your season ticket to Fantasy Glory now with the 2018 Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. It's not just a draft kit. It's a full-season package that takes you from draft day to championship week. And it features in-depth analysis from some of your favorite fantasy sports radio experts. So go to rotoexperts.com, use code WINNER, W-I-N-N-E-R, to get 10% off on the Exclusive Edge Package and set aside a spot on the mantle for that 2018 championship trophy. So uh, we'll get back to Mac in one second. Let's talk Philly for a second. Um, I have not really, nobody has jumped off the page here for me in Philly as far as guys I want to target. There's always going to be drafts where, you know, this is what happens. It gets to the seventh, eighth, ninth round. You you sort of don't love anyone. 
and you're having to just try to figure out what the best value is. But we haven't seen a lot of the guys from Philly either. We didn't see any of the receivers last night. Uh, Carter was showing was really um, kind of explosive last night on a couple of plays. He goes four catches for 73 yards. He's just trying to make the team. Um, we had Zach Ertz, obviously. Look, he's the guy for me in this offense, but I've, we talked about it yesterday. I have him in a keeper league, and I kept him in the sixth round, and I'm thrilled about that. I have him the I seventh know. in my keeper league. I have him the so seventh in my big-time uh, dynasty home league, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm thrilled about that. But I won't be paying for Zach Ertz in most drafts. He's going around the fourth round uh, from what I've seen in most of the mock drafts I'm doing and just researching some other stuff. So I'm not going to pay up for that like we talked about yesterday. I'm, I'm also not I'm not going to go after Goddard. I, I understand people are excited about two tight end sets and – they might continue mm-hmm. to use him. What if he comes into Trey Burton's role? Uh, it's fine. But if somebody wants to draft him, I'm not going to do it. I'll keep an eye on him on waiver wires. That's how I feel about it. The quarterback situation, I'm not picking an injured quarterback. I'm just not going to do it. Right. I, I, yeah, he, maybe he's great. But he's coming off an ACL. He's not going to be 100% for a while. And he is a guy that utilizes his legs more so than he probably should. But uh, I'm not. I'm not going to have Carson Wentz on my teams. I'm just, it's very unlikely. Uh, so where does that leave me? With a bunch of running backs by committee, you got Alshon Jeffrey, who uh, you know I have certain feelings about that. I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. he's really a number one wideout at all. So it comes down to Ertz if he falls and Nelson Aguilar if I get him at a, a good value. That's really where I'm at. It, it's ironic because I, I recognize that the team is really good, but they have – they won the Super Bowl because of their depth. They exactly. had tons of combinations that you used on the offensive line. They had a very, very good defensive line rotation led by Fletcher Seven Cox. or eight deep. They had, run, they had a left tackle go down and somebody else step up. They had a middle linebacker mm-hmm. who made it sack last night uh, go down and somebody step up. They have Malcolm Jenkins in the back, and they actually have a couple of good young players in the secondary, but... It's an interesting team because you're not in love with anybody from a fantasy perspective, especially in the running backs. I love Darren Sproles, but I don't know what he's going to get out of it. Are they really going to use him up, or are they going to hang on to him and use him judiciously until they get to the playoffs? Yeah, I think you make a good point. And, and Mike, I've, I've said on this network a number of times what I call it. I call it the fantasy herd. Uh, blew it. And I think the Eagles are a great uh, representation of that. Where, and to be quite honest, the teams that are fantasy herds, it's good for your NFL team, but bad for your fantasy team. You know what I mean? It's great for the Philadelphia Eagles that they have so many different options and can read the mismatches and can scheme for things like that. It's great for their real team, but it is very frustrating to know on a week-to-week basis who is going to be that guy that cashes in for you, right? Like, you could have a Nelson Aguilar who's going to win you some weeks and then turn around the next week and go, you know, like three for 34, right? I think the, I think the Rams are in that position. The Lions are in that position and a couple of other teams as well where their their end of season numbers will look good but week to week there's so much volatility so I call it the fantasy herd and in those situations I look for only the shepherd of the herd the guy like the Matthew Stafford of it but I agree I'm not going to draft Carson Wentz because in that situation you know we've talked about it ad nauseum here Blewett there's so many other options at that level why take a chance on someone coming back from an ACL injury like you said also who was a mobile quarterback 
quarterback that got some, uh, you know, some production via the run. I want to ask you about this one name you didn't mention in Philadelphia that I know a lot of people just kind of have a negative narrative on. Um, what about Mike Wallace? Uh, blew it because listen here's the thing you talked about Alshon Jeffrey Alshon Jeffrey has a long history of soft tissue injuries right and being not healthy and we're already hearing now he was supposed to be fine by now that shoulder is not recovering well they've talked I've heard him you know rumors about the pup list even if Alshon misses any time don't get me wrong Zach Ertz is the guy you got Sproles out of the backfield you got Aguilar but I'm wondering if Mike Wallace can be that number two kind of guy I know he can play that deep threat you know maybe he's what they wanted Torrey Smith to be but I'm intrigued by Mike Wallace if uh, some of the other mouths to feed aren't there yeah, I mean, you don't have to spend any draft capital on him at this point. Fair. So I think you, if you wanted to take him in the 16th round as a flyer, right. I think that's a pretty interesting play. If you wanted him, I mean, especially this weekend, right? Because you're talking about Jeffrey with these little rumors, like maybe he's not mm-hmm. ready for week one. So he right. is the type of guy that you're going to nine times that's out of ten. Let's assume, let's, let's assume it's not a kicker or defense. Nine times out of ten. You're going to cut that last guy that you take. It's sure. pr- usually the 14th round, then you go kicker defense, right? right. I'm talking for most of your home leagues. Hopefully you, many mm-hmm. of you are starting to eliminate kickers. There's too much volatility and a lack of predictability yeah. in many instances. I know somebody, there's a fantasy expert out there somewhere that's saying, ah, you're wrong. Jake Elliott's a great call or whatever. Whatever. You know, I, I can't get into it. Uh, I can't get into it now. The show is too, too short. We got too much to, to talk about. The, <laughs> for me to get into the uh, positive qualities of Justin Tucker. So uh, Mike Wallace is the 85th wide receiver off the board. You could take him as a flyer, and that's a pretty interesting one. But in general, yeah, I'm not, I don't think he's going to put up big numbers this year. I think he rounds out the receiving core nicely. I think, again, you, you put it well in the fantasy herd. There's a lot of mouths to feed, and I think they are comfortable with spreading it around in that way. They don't need anybody to be a superstar with the exception of Ertz. You know, J.H.I. is not going to see the ball that much. That's why I haven't – nobody really likes his value. Uh, so uh, so there you go. Aguilar, just for, for those listening at home, he's the 43rd wide receiver off the board, so I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty comfortable position. You'll already have your starting wide receivers, mm-hmm. whether it's two or three. Uh, you could have all three starting wide receivers. As far as Alshon Jeffrey is concerned, uh, he is going, I believe – it is 20, I think he's the 26th wide receiver off the board somehow. Um, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to have many okay. shares of Jeffrey. And Aguilar and yeah. Wallace are guys that I think, you know, you mentioned Wallace in the 80s. I think that gets a significant bump if for some reason we hear more negative news on Jeffrey or if they do, in fact, give him the pup distinction, which would be for the first six weeks at least. Yeah, you mentioned the Rams wide receivers. I think the guy yeah. I feel most comfortable there is Cooper Cup. Uh-huh. Um, it's ironic because Cup, he's the, the lowest coach one. just got a, Cook's got just got all this money, but Cooper Cup is going as wide receiver at 37. If he's my third guy, which he is in the Scott Fishbowl League, I feel really good about it. I think he's going to see the ball a lot. We'll come back. We'll talk more about news and notes around the NFL. It's FST with Mike and Dane. We'll be back right after. 
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Back on FST, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hit us up at FNTSY Radio. I'm at Mike Blewett. Dave Martinez is at Spittin' Speeds, S-B-E-E-D-Z. And if you want to give us a call, phone lines will open in the next segment. 844-843-6879. That's 84FNTSY. So give us a call in the next 10 minutes or so. We'll uh, put you on hold and get your questions answered. Uh, so for those of you listening to us on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, we appreciate it. Uh, for those of you on TuneIn and iHeartRadio and a variety of terrestrial radio stations across the country, thank you. We appreciate you listening to us today and every day. So DailyRoto.com is putting more than $25,000 on the line for its subscribers this NFL season, entering paid contests on FanDuel and bringing you along for the free roll. Have the chance to win big this year along SportsGrid CEO Jeremy Stein, one of the only men to have won two separate million-dollar prizes. So each week, we'll select lucky subscribers to sweat with us and split 50% of the profits. No profits that week? No worries. Your name will get tossed back into the hat the following week. So head to DailyRoto.com backslash sweat and learn how to get in on the action and your share of $25,000 in action. That's DailyRoto.com backslash sweat. So uh, we were talking Rams, Eagles, Browns, but, you know, some other news and notes that I think are pretty interesting. And, you know, I have a number three pick tomorrow in a draft. In the mm. GST draft, uh, we're, you're in the other. You're number league, three. Right? I'm in your division. I'm in your division, Blue. You I think. I think I'm not in your division, but I'm in your league. You know, we're in the same twelve, not in the same six. I believe. Got it. Okay. I picked seventh I in that draft. I just got added to this thing like last week, so I, I really okay. have to do a lot of homework today. I have a general understanding of what it is. I know it's a deeper league. You got twenty spots there, right? Yeah. It's PPR. PPR. Um, and it's a little bit higher stakes. I don't think I need to know too much beyond that. No, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's it. Yeah, I have you. Uh, oh, we're in the same division. Uh, we're in the go. same division. I brought it up right now. It's you, me, our guy, the fantasy executive, our fearless leader, Mr. Cardano, uh, our friend who's on after us, Craig Carton, and then uh, Joseph DeGalbo as well in our division. Those are the six that make up our division. The only complication I have. Is I need this draft to get moving quick. What time? I mean, I'm on air until noon. We're getting started, I believe, right at noon. That's what Corey had told me, the fantasy executive had told me. No, the Sunday draft is at noon. Tomorrow is 11 a.m., blew it. Well, I got problems then, so we're going to have to figure that out. You can make a pick live on air. Yeah, I'll be happy to do that. And I, you know, I have the number three pick, so I have a pretty yeah, good so idea. Yeah, so it's pretty simple. Do. It's pretty yeah. simple, right? Yeah. yeah With the I'm not third worried about pick, that first pick. Mike Blewett selects Ezekiel yeah. Elliott, Dallas yeah, Cowboys. Pre- yeah, but you know what? <laughs> what gave me pause today is I started reading these news, news and notes and. Here's a guy I've struggled with all year, and I want to spend too much time on it, but does it okay. impact you at all that David Johnson now has a fullback, first time in his career? He had one at Northern Iowa, and he felt comfortable doing that, uh, but now he's got Derek Coleman. 
who is the football player, not the basketball player, thankfully. Um, but he, now he's got Derek Coleman as a fullback. And with the offensive line issues that they have, maybe that provides some cover for David Johnson. I just wonder if I am getting a little bit more comfortable with him as time has gone on. You know, I, in, I've drafted Kamara over him. I would draft Zeke Elliott over him. But I just wonder if I'm getting more comfortable where I should hedge my bet a little bit on David Johnson. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. You know, I've said it also that of the big four, he's the one I have the least faith in myself. You know, I was actually, remember I was out of town last week, Mike. I was at a wedding in, in California, and uh, nice. one of the family, yeah, it was very nice. It was very nice. Um, one of the family members there is a big, you know, from Arizona, big Cardinals fan, and he was telling me that, like, Mike McCoy, the OC there now, is looking to get the ball in David Johnson's hands all the time. This guy, is, he attended a couple of Cardinals practices, and said that he's actually really encouraged by what he's seeing from uh, David Johnson in this system. I've had him as number four. I've even in PPR settings, I'm okay with maybe Kamara going ahead of him because I'm a little bit down on him. But you're right. Um, maybe it is a positive impact. They're trying to do everything they can to clear the lanes for David Johnson. So I think it's interesting, and it's something I'm going to be looking for in the third preseason game, right, to see what kind of personnel they have out there. I'm also, for the Cardinals, I'm really looking at this kid, Christian Kirk. I think he might wind up being the number two wide out there, and uh, that could be some opportunity there. Is that the guy right now, if you had a bank on a rookie wide receiver, is that the guy that you're looking at? I don't know. I think it's so interesting. You know, you have Ridley, you have uh, Gallup in Dallas. I think I heard you talking about DJ Moore in Carolina. Yeah. I just so, I just get worried about where he is on the depth chart. Right, in the pecking order. He doesn't throw the ball around that much. Exactly. No, and that is my concern too. That's the point I was just going to make, Mike. I think, you know, fantasy production is two factors, right? It's your skill and your opportunity. Right, And I love the skill of DJ Moore, but I don't love the opportunity of DJ Moore. You talk about Funches, you talk about Olsen, you talk about Christian McCaffrey. Best case scenario, right? He's like the fourth option. And in Carolina, you said that. They're a ground and pound kind of team. Don't get it twisted. Cam Newton is also an option unto himself, right? So DJ Moore might be the fifth option, although I love his talent. Um, so that's why I mentioned Christian Kirk, right? Because I think his path to opportunity is a little bit better. I think the Cardinals are going to be a relatively bad team throwing in the second half and, and, you know, defenses will be all over Larry Fitzgerald. I think that creates opportunities for Christian Kirk and Ricky Seals-Jones as one of those kind of third-tier tight ends that you can wait on in Arizona. Yeah, look, I'm with you. I think you have to try to figure out, and I talked about this with uh, Jake Seeley a couple of weeks back, where he was really high on Deion Kane. And the reality right. at the time, and now unfortunately Kane is out for the year with an ACL injury, but the reality at the time was that he was the guy, as you start looking for the clearest path to see targets, right? Only thing he had to do is beat out Chester Rogers and Ryan Clark, which is not as monumental a task as somebody like, frankly, DJ Moore, who has to not just beat out. Somebody like, uh, you know, start to compete with Devin Funches, but he's also right. competing with Greg Olson and Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. McCaffrey. two very accomplished pass yep. catchers. So mm-hmm. the best he would do if he was off the charts this year is third in targets. Exactly. That's the best. If something happened to Funches or Funches was just terrible and more played lights out, he would be third. 
pretty good place mm-hmm. to be. But I'm saying that's the absolute best because McCaffrey and Olsen are going to out-target him as long as they're on the field. But, you know, Ridley is a guy that really has to beat out Mohamed Sanu, who's a good veteran player, but not a di- not a terribly sure. uh, explosive player solid, uh, throughout his career. You yeah, know, low-ceiling kind of guy. Yeah, probably even a better NFL player than he is a fantasy player, to be honest, sure. because he's shown some versatility, and obviously he's been productive on some level on mm-hmm. two different franchises. So Ridley and Kirk appear to be, and Gallup probably, appear to be the guys that are coming to the forefront. you got a couple of guys in Denver as well uh, yeah. that are making a name for themselves. But, you know, at the end of the season, we'll look back and we'll say, yeah, there's really all those couple of guys that were productive. Mm-hmm. You know, people and- t- talk me up and down about Anthony Miller right now, but there's right. a lot of mouths to feed in Chicago, too, and DJ Chark in Jacksonville and even James Washington in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. They may flash, but James Washington's not going to be any higher exactly. than fourth. If things went exactly. really well, he wouldn't be any higher than fourth in targets. Yeah, exactly. I was going to mention two of those guys as like, you know, these extreme cases of the skill and opportunity, right? I was going to mention Cortland Sutton with Denver and just who you mentioned, James Washington in Pittsburgh. These are guys who, you know, coming into the draft, let's say, you know, many experts had them as, you know, two of the top, say, three wide receivers, let's say, going into the draft in terms of skill, right? But you talk about who is blocking their path to opportunity. And with Cortland Sutton, who, by the way, I mentioned yesterday, I love in dynasty formats because the guys blocking him, I believe, are both free agents at the end of the season. So in dynasty and long-term leagues, I talked about that's something you got to look for. But Cortland Sutton has tremendous skill, but he's got Demarius Thomas and Manny Sanders there, right? James Washington, you're a Steelers fan. Mike, you know Mm -hmm. this. Tremendous skill. And in dynasty formats, you know, we fast forward two years, he may have his college quarterback throwing to him as well, which I would love. But, you know, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Juju Smith-Schuster. I even like Vance McDonald as a sleeper tight end this year if he can get healthy. Nice low-ranked tight end. I agree. Exactly. But, But to your point, The path is not clear. So will he have a week or two where he flashes? Yeah, but so did Eli Rogers, for God's sakes. You know what I mean? So that's the way you got to look at it. And for those, I like Kirk. I like Gallup in terms of having that path to production, at least in redraft kinds of leagues. And to your point about Denver, with those two uh, veteran wide receivers, they drafted two receivers early early with Deshaun Hamilton out of Penn State and Cortland Sutton out of SMU. So guys to think about in keeper leagues and dynasty leagues if you haven't uh, drafted those yet. My dynasty league draft was like two months ago. So uh, in any event, uh, keep going around the news and notes. Um, You know, obviously Saquon Barkley, he's still nursing that injury. But, you know, the the next thing to look at in terms of quarterbacks, and we're going to see them this weekend, really in their make-or-break performances to see if they can grab the number one job. So do you expect, out of all of these guys playing this weekend, Baker, I think we know what the deal is there. That's Tyrod, and Baker's the backup for now. It's all Tyrod. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Tarad. I gotta get used to I'm gonna it, be, I'm, I'm gonna be having fun with this one all year long. Uh, I'm just, gonna, I'm just getting Tarad. started. It took it's me a good. year to get to realize the Chargers moved from San Diego. It's I know. I see it all the time. And I, I, I call them the Clippers college. sometimes. I call them the Clippers sometimes when I see LAC. Yeah, yeah. and I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a, uh, I'm an ACC guy, and he's been Tyrod for a really long time. But I, I want to be respectful and call him by his actual name. Hakeem his Elijah mama call him Tarod. I'm going to call him Tarod. That's right. Elijah <laughs> Wan was, uh, ha- was Hakeem for his first 
while he was at Houston and then his first right. bunch of years in the league. And then at some point in the early 90s, he's like, it's actually Akeem. So everybody's like, really? Like, we've been calling you Hakeem for 10 years. So right. uh, you got to make the adjustment. Anyway, um, so of all these guys, which ones do you expect to be out there week one? Uh, my man, Green Eggs and Sam. Sam, I am. He can convert third downs from a boat. He can convert third downs from a moat. He can convert third downs here or there. He can convert third downs anywhere. Green Eggs and Sam will be under center for the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And I think Josh Allen will as well. I think Josh Allen will as well. You know, the McCarran injury, whatever it is, collarbone, shoulder, whatever it is. I think they're going to let Josh Allen take his bumps and bruises. I think Sam Darnold actually has a chance uh, to maybe be in the back-end QB2 kind of conversation. Those are the two guys I think. I think Tarad is a starter in Cleveland. And I think until he gets hurt, which who knows, could be tomorrow, um, I think Sam Bradford is the guy out in Arizona. And we've talked already how there is no competition in Baltimore. So I think Darnold and I think Allen will be under center in two weeks. So what's interesting is that right now, ADP consensus, fantasypros.com, Darnold and Allen are 33 and 34. If you're drafting in two QB leagues this weekend, keep that in mind because there's guys ranked in front of them that won't have are as much starting. value as, as them. Lamar Jackson is in front of him. Uh, you got guys like, um, let's see, somebody else that could lose their job. I mean, Jameis is well in front of them, and Jameis isn't going to play 16 games. We know that. Sam Darnold right. could. Uh, I understand that you're hoping Baker Mayfield is way in front of those guys, which is odd. I, I'd have to see. I mean, I take these guys over Ryan Tannehill as well. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and if you don't like um, Sam Bradford, you think he's going to give away, like you just said, then yeah. so be it. Josh Rosen is right behind those guys. So, um, you know, keep this in mind as you're in two QB leagues or super flex leagues, you might be getting a little bit of value out of those guys. Now, if you're in the New York area, as Dean and I are, you're not going to get any value out of it because somebody's yeah. going to want to <laughs> jump jump on Sam Darnold in particular. So, uh, so there you go. So, you know, other news and notes. Uh, from around the league uh, beyond last night's game. And obviously we have a full slate of games coming up tonight and tomorrow and even into Sunday. Um, Delaney Walker is still missing practice. He's now a week removed from walking gingerly off the field. You know, bigger tight ends like that, veteran guys, that starts to worry you because it Mm -hmm. gives you flashbacks to the last five years of Antonio Gates' career when he was really having to manage the pain of his foot injuries um, and probably the main reason why he's just not back. You know, the Chargers easily could have signed him to a one-year deal, but uh, he struggled with foot injuries for a long time. So the Delaney Walker thing has me concerned because I'm so in on the Titans. Right. Let me ask you this. If uh, Walker misses any time, who do you think steps up there? Oh, uh, so I talked about this last hour, and I'm with you, Blewett. This is a cause for concern for me, okay? The toe injuries kind of linger. Delaney Walker is already kind of, you know, on the downside of his career. I know we got the extension, but he's in his mid-30s already. And the other thing, it seems like you know a lot about the Titans, Blewett, and you, at least LaFleur, the new offensive coordinator, you're high on them. Doesn't the organization like the kid Janu Smith a little bit? I'm not saying he's going to put up fantasy-relevant numbers, but don't they kind of? They're high on that kid, right? The backup, John U. Smith? 
I mean, he was the guy that when Walker is out, he is the guy that showed that he was going to be the one to step into that position. Right. Now he kind of like flashed um, a little, like uh, like uh, Burton did in in Zach Ertz's stead once. Or, you know yeah, what I mean? Kind of. Yeah, yeah, and he'll be in there in two tight end sets. He's only a third round pick from a year ago, so yeah, I think there is reason to believe that he's a guy that could be there long term. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this year he's going to fight uphill for targets when we're talking about, say, everybody is healthy, when we're talking about Walker and Corey Davis and Deion Lewis and Taewon Taylor. But, right. you know, as much as I like the Titans, and Rashard Matthews just signed a deal, but he's he's still working himself off of the pup list. So this is a team, as much as I like them, that is pretty interesting if somebody were to go down because mm. – if Walker goes down, does that mean Taewon Taylor sees more targets? Or do they put Dion Smith in there? Yeah, I do too. I think it's Dion Lewis. I think I'm but, very excited about Dion Lewis. Sorry to cut you off, because uh, right. I also don't believe Derrick Henry is that guy to grab the brass ring. I equate no, Derrick no. Henry similar to uh, Devontae Booker in Denver. The organization wanted them to take that lead job towards the end of last year, and it didn't happen. And then the organization went out and got other guys. I love Dion Lewis this year, especially in PPR formats. So do I, but obviously serious injury history, so you have to be mindful of that. I've just felt like as much as Derrick Henry may be, you know, he lacks some um, versatility to his play, (laughs) he's still the 19th running back off the board, and I'm pretty comfortable with that. You know, I I think you're in a pretty good spot there uh, when it comes to value, and he's going right – in front of Jay Ajay, right behind, uh, who was it? Uh, oh yeah, right behind Kenyon Drake. So I'm taking Derrick Henry over the guys every, over those guys every time. Lamar Miller, right around that range. Royce yeah. Freeman, around that range. Who everybody's in love with, but he's still a rookie on an offense that we don't know exactly how it's going to work out yet. Now, give me Alex Collins Al- in that range. I was just about to say he's now yeah. Alex Collins is there. I'm not going to take Derrick Henry over Alex Collins yet. But I don't, I don't love Jarek McKinnon either. He's in that range. Right. If, building it further out, Rashad Penny. Like, if I'm putting together that list of five or six guys outside of Alex Collins, Derrick Henry's the most bankable to me because I do think this offense will be good. But if somebody like Walker goes down or Matthews can't get on the field, it's going to be interesting for different options. Taewon Taylor uh, could be a guy that steps up as well as John Smith that uh, Dane mentioned. So we'll come back. We'll do some player props. We'll do a couple more news and notes after this on FST on this Friday. Join us after the break. Are you between the ages of 13 and 22 and love fantasy football? Then GM Genius is for you. GM Genius is the only fantasy football scholarship competition giving students a chance to play fantasy football and pay for your education. GM Genius won FSTA's Rookie of the Year Award in 2017 and has already awarded over $25,000 in scholarships. Go to GMGenius.com today and turn your fantasy football love into a scholarship. BetDSI is celebrating 20 years as the industry's biggest and safest betting site. They have great customer service and fast, easy payment of winnings. You can play virtually every sport on BetDSI with hundreds of wagering options, including live in-game wagering on all major sporting events where you can make your play at any time during the game. 
Bet DSI runs sign-up and deposit promotions year-round, and for a limited time using promo code FNTSY, Bet DSI is offering up to $2,500 on your first deposit if you're willing to adhere to rollover requirements. So use promo code FNTSY and try BetDSI.com. That's BetDSI.com, promo code FNTSY. Head on over and start winning today. So one thing I forgot to complain about in the first segment, Dane, is that if you're watching Hard Knocks, and many of you out there are, you'll mm-hmm. see that Antonio Callaway, and even if you're not, you understand that Antonio Callaway is a kid out of Florida that had some off-the-field issues down in Florida. They reared their ugly head right out of the gate in training camp. He got pulled over. Uh, I, I don't know where those charges sit right now, but he was charged, he was arrested and charged, and you know he's working through that. As part of the punishment... And the week two game, was it the first game or the second game? No, it was the first game against the Giants week one where he played every snap. Yes. So now he's out. He's got a groin injury, and he missed three days of practice. He didn't play last night. And guess who I drafted in my dynasty league? Antonio Callaway. Antonio Callaway. That's right. (laughs) Now, I don't know how big of an impact he was going to have this year anyway, and I I have a a rookie taxi squad, but it's like, come on, guys. I need all the help I can get. And is it, you know, the penny-wise pound foolish thing? Well, we have to put our stamp on on the discipline of our team, and let's put a rookie out there in his first game ever and make him play every snap and run him until he pukes. But, you know... With the proliferation of soft tissue injuries right. in the NFL, maybe that's right. not so wise. Listen, I, I kind of uh, listen. I, I'm on the other side of this. I kind of liked it. Okay, and if you see Hard Knocks, you kind of also see you know Hugh Jackson at one point going over to Jarvis Landry, being like, "We need this kid. Take him under your wing." And then even challenging Jarvis Landry. I don't know if you saw this, but like he's tell Hugh Jackson is telling Jarvis Landry to you know kind of befriend Callaway, take help him with maturity, make him a pro, and then he I don't care if he lives Landry. at your house. Do what you need to right. do. Yeah. And then he also says, you know, Larry Fitzgerald would do that. You know, which I thought was very interesting. So he's also challenging who he sees as a leader in Jarvis Landry. I thought that was cool. I thought you were going to do it a different way, though, Blewett. I got to tell you the truth. I was thinking, I wish I would have known this because then I would have had Callaway in all my DFS lineups that week. If I knew he was going to play every snap in week one of the preseason, he definitely would have been in my lineup and he would have rewarded me with a long touchdown, too. So I wish I would have had that info for DFS in the preseason, you know? Seriously, help me out. So for, for those of you doing wagering on games this weekend, the Packers are expected to rest all their starters yes. tonight. So no Aaron Rodgers, no anybody. Just it's going to be a cast of Your boy Coomer host. Yeah, yeah. Most of whom will not. Yeah, see if Jermon Moore can raise his value here. Catch the uh, ball. He's yeah. had a rough preseason. So um, if you're betting, you know, I'll take a look at that line. If you can pull that up, Dane, pull that line up. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I'll get it up. So Keep talking. I guarantee I you. you the Sharps are all over whoever it is they're playing. They smoked the yeah. Steelers last week. So The Packers go uh, to Oakland to take on the Raiders, but the Raiders are six-point favorites at home. Six points is a lot. For That's a lot. That was, I was hoping to get like the two-and-a-half, three-and-a-half, and then I would have been all with you, but six is kind of a lot. Maybe they're on that because they did already report that the starters would be resting, you know, so, so maybe that that's the case. At like two points. Yeah. Um, you can see that. One, you can see lines move yeah. like four or five points in the preseason when you get reports like this. So Dalvin Cook is expected to play uh, today, 
it says he'll probably only play a series or two, but he I think it's more mental than it is anything else to kind of prove that yeah. he can be back out there. Honestly, mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it, but uh, if he's just out there for six or eight snaps, uh, you would hope that he can be good to go. And if he can get out there and run, you know, if he gets two one carry yeah. for seven yards, you could rest and pull him. him. You know, it really, <laughs> I just want to it, see it really four series. Yeah, exactly. It's just a mental. And thing. remember. So, the Vikings have had those offensive line injuries also this preseason, right? So I don't want to have a yeah. greater risk. I don't want to expose them more. Yeah, yeah. Um, last news on uh, for the day, uh, Beckham, Odell Beckham looks like he's getting pretty close. Uh, it looks like they're working on a record-breaking contract to beat Antonio Brown's $17 million per season and Mike Evans' $55 million guaranteed. I think he's earned that uh, to this point in his career. Yeah, there's been some knucklehead stuff, but I think – it appears that he's put most of the stuff behind him. All, all, all that being said, there's some recent incidents with him being on camera and watching an assault happen. And, like, the, the problem with Odell is, like, this stuff is just always following him, right? And when stuff is always following you, it isn't the stuff. It's you. It's you. <laughs> it's yeah, you. but here's the thing. His stuff, and I Stop hear going you. going out. But it's not, it's not criminal stuff. Like, in the levels of this, it could be worse. Now, I, I agree with the distraction and stuff, but it's not like he's hitting women. It's not like he's got any DUIs, no. you know, that totally, kind of stuff. Yeah, totally different. I'm not, I'm not the guy, and I'm not a crotchety old dude telling you, hey, Odell, you can't, you know, this is ridiculous. You're, you right. know, you're setting a bad uh, tone for the organization. The guy's a celebrity. I get right. that some things are exactly. going to come with that, and you're going to want to take in the spoils of your celebrity status. But right. when these types of things keep following you, whether it's going down for the boat ride or right. being caught on Instagram with maybe shady substances around, sure. or you find yourself in the middle of uh, being a bystander on camera to an assault and you're not really doing anything positive about it or trying to prevent it, um, he technically, he doesn't do anything wrong, but like at some point, and I think he'll realize this when he's older, and maybe it is because I'm older. But like sometimes this stuff just isn't worth it. Like yeah, go I to hear some you. Of the, I... Go to some of the big events, and maybe just don't be going out to the club all the time because this stuff just happens at those places. Yeah, I mean, they always say nothing happened, nothing good happens after whatever it is, midnight or one a.m. or two a.m. whatever that, it is. That is accurate, and, and I. And I, yeah, trust me, I know. Um, um, personal experience, I can tell you that's ex- accurate. <laughs> exactly. Most of the mistakes in my life have happened after the midnight <laughs> hour as yeah. well. But, you know, I just wanted to make that distinction because sometimes I think the narrative gets a little bit out of control. And totally these guys agree. all get lumped in together. And the stuff he's doing, you know, the boat ride, the kicking net, the, uh, the hairdo, you know, all that stuff like – there is some of it, you know, listen, if I was 24 and rich in New York, um, you know, some of that is to the victor goes the spoils, right? But I do hear you as he matures, you know, I think some of that will remove from his game and he could become more like a, uh, you know, like a DeAndre Hopkins, like a Larry Fitzgerald who does their thing and you never hear about them in the news. Hey, Mike, I wanted to ask you a yeah, question. You got your is question cool? for me, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're talking about dynasty leagues and keepers. And, you know, in my format, and I'm talking, this is a, uh, we've been doing this for like 15 years. I'm staring at the trophy right now, and there's like 15 names on it already. We're going to need to like make another level on this trophy eventually. But it's like a 14 team, you know, like 18 player league, you know, and so it's pretty deep. And I have a tight end issue. 
I told you I have Zach Ertz that I'm keeping in the seventh, right? But the way my league works, if you pick the guy off waivers last year, he becomes a 12th round cost for you. Okay, okay so I have Zach Ertz in the seventh. I have okay. Trey Burton in the 12th, who I picked up, to be quite honest, last year when Zach Ertz got hurt, you know what I mean, and then kept him because, to my point, I saw that he was a free agent and I knew he'd be a starter. And then I also, last year, I have George Kittle in the 17th, Mike. So. Wow. All three of them are value, but I don't really need to roster three tight ends, right? So I've been working the horns trying to trade one of these guys for the last couple of weeks. Nobody's biting on me, and I got to make a declaration sometime this weekend. So, so like, if I were somebody, I would be de- I would be dealing for Kittle. That's just great value. Yeah. I have been trying to trade, to be honest, I've been trying to trade Burton because I think he is like legitimately a valuable asset and can get really something back for it, you know? So what would you do in that situation? I might keep all three and then just look to trade one of them early in the season, you know, uh, or at the draft. What would you do? Ertz in the seventh, Burton in the twelfth, Kittle in the seventeenth. And I don't want to lose any of them. If you don't I can keep as many as I want. At the players, then yeah. I would I would keep all three. Yeah, you really don't need three tight ends. But right. if it's not at the cost of something else, you'll never you're unlikely to get a seventeenth round pick that's of that value exactly. this year. I like Zach Ertz in the seventh, and where was Burton? Twelve? Twelve. Twelfth. Yeah. So those are all positive value. As I read I wish I could give the guy credit, but I, I read something on Twitter yesterday and it just summarizes it. People think that we criticize players and ah, I hate JHI this year. You know, blue it hates JHI. I don't hate it. I hate <laughs> his relative. ADP. So right. this is what somebody said yesterday. I don't hate players. I hate their ADP. So I just I wouldn't draft JHI where he's going, and I would draft Ertz and Burton and Kittle all there. And I'm not as high on Burton as some other people, but I'd take him all day in the twelfth round. So um, so there you go. I think you can all keep right. all three, and I could because. Somebody will make a deal with you at some point, and right. if not, so be it. And it doesn't. The deal doesn't even have to happen at the draft. And yeah, you don't want to go into the season rostering three tight ends because mm-hmm. you realistically want to use that for a running back or a wide receiver, one of those spots. Right. But right. somebody will realize by the end of the draft, man, I'm taking a shot at. Uh, right. Let me think. Whoever I'm taking a shot at Austin, Austin Ferry and Jenkins, right, right? Yeah, yeah, Austin, Austin Hooper. That's the one to and name, Mike. <laughs> yeah, and I don't love. Those guys. So maybe Dane will give give up George right. Kittle because I like him a little bit more. So yeah, I, I'd keep all three because it's not hindering you other than maybe rostering an extra roster running spot. back or wide receiver. But who who's that guy going to be in the seventeenth round? Think exactly. about that. Like who's that going to? And who be? knows? Burton he, could be a viable flex for me on some weeks too. That's right. But I'm saying yeah, like if so, if you're saying like Ertz and Burton are your starters, like. What, who's that wide receiver or running back going to be in the 17th round? It's going to be no one that, that I need. You'd have to go really deep. No one that I need. About. Exactly. James Conner, somebody like that. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm probably going to stay, keep all three. But if you're listening and you're in my league, Burton and Kittle are available for a draft pick. Hit me up. It's at Spitting Speeds. <laughs> Ertz, too. Ertz, too. You yeah, can't sure. close the door on it. You never know what you're Sure, if I can get something be, real so. for him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So NFL regular season player props. We've been doing them all week. I think it's a fun kind of thing to talk about. And let's go. We were just talking about Odell. So why don't we stick with mm. wide receivers? Okay. Adam Thielen. Total receiving yards. One thousand 
199 and a half. So he's got to get to 1,100 on the nose for it to make sense. One year ago, Adam Thielen had 91 catches for 1,260 yards and four touchdowns on 143 targets. Yeah, um, I'm going to take the under on this one. And the reason for me is I really like Stefan Diggs. I, I love Stefan Diggs, and I think that they're going to kind of flip-flop this year. I think Diggs is going to be the one who winds up as the wide receiver one, as maybe a top 10 or 12 guy. And I think Thielen, don't get me wrong, I think Thielen is still a great wide receiver. But these things, you know, there's some variance there, and it really looks like Cousins is zoning in on Diggs. And so, you know, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There were nine wide receivers last year that had over 1,100 yards. Marvin Jones, the ninth, at exactly 1,101, right? So you need to be one of the top 10 wide receivers to get this amount of yards anyway. And I actually think Diggs has a better chance than Thielen to surpass that this year. So because of that, I'm going to take the under. So last year, Adam Thielen saw 143 targets. Diggs only 95. Right. Adam Thielen caught 91 passes. Diggs over 64. I've heard a lot of what you're talking about. People think they're either going to flip-flop or they're going to come to the middle. Or normalize. Both right. end up with 80 catches. Um, and I'm not sure. That's a really big gap. It's 27 catches last year that they were apart. That's a really big gap. So you've got to say 14 less for Thielen, 13 more for Diggs. Um, that's a lot. I'm not out on feeling that's in that way That's one per yet. game. That's one per game, yeah. Mike. You yeah. know, and I, the other thing I'm intrigued and I want to see also is I want to see who's in the slot for Minnesota because whoever's in the slot I think is going to have uh, big-time production, right? And they've been running Thielen in the slot last year a lot. I want to see if Diggs is in there a little bit. That's uh, How they line up is something I'm looking for uh, in these Minnesota preseason games when all the starters are out there. So Thielen's – I mean, Thielen's um – hands are so good i just i, I have a so hard time Diggs. believing that they're, they're he's great I, i'm not this is not an anti-stefan Diggs thing but thielen's hands are so great that it would be hard for me to understand why a team would use that asset less than they did do you know what i mean but it's a new quarterback and it's a new offensive coordinator so mm-hmm. those changes uh can upset the apple card a little bit when it comes to a particular player uh okay we'll go to the next guy i think we did aj green a little bit yesterday Antonio Brown, uh, I'll just do Antonio Brown since I'm a Steelers fan. Um, He's got to get 1,500 yards. You think he can get it? I mean, you don't make money betting against Antonio Brown, right? Um, He had 1,533 last year. It's a big number. (laughs) It is a big – that's the thing, right? That's the thing. It's similar to, like, if I saw the Patriots over-under at, like, 13 and a half. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I don't want to bet against I don't want to do it. But it's a little too but, rich for my blood. So for me, yeah. for me, that's a stay away, right? Because everything has to go well for him to eclipse that, right? He's a little banged up already with injury. We're seeing the emergence of Juju. We talk about James Washington, Lev Bell. I like uh, Vance McDonald. Like, there's so many things that could just eat into it a little bit. You know, what if he misses one, two games? That sort of thing also. So, to me, there's just too many he did factors. did last year. Fair enough, but... um. Listen, I love Antonio Brown, okay? He's the number one wide receiver in the NFL, but... 
There's no way I'm taking the over. I don't want to bet against them, so I'm going to stay away from this one. Real quick, also, Blewett, Diggs only played 14 games last year. Thielen played 16, right? So there's sure. also the chance in games played to change that, uh, the scales there for, for the Vikings as well. Sure. But A.B., I'm staying away from it because I'm not betting against it, but that's a big number to hop over. Of the last five, of the last one, two, three, four, five seasons, he hit that total technically three times because one time – he had fourteen ninety nine on the nose, right? And then two years ago, it was only twelve eighty four in fifteen games. So he wasn't going to get there even if he played that extra game. So last year he did it in fourteen games. Um, so that's it with uh, Antonio Brown, a big number. So you got to be, you got to have the stones if you're going to put yeah, I'm staying put away money from down one. on that one. And the over, the over is plus money, so people are taking the under. Last one, do it real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, total receiving yards, 1,300 and a half. So he's got to get to 1,301. That's another huge number. It's kind of the same thing. Last year, 1,378. However, he's got maybe more time with Deshaun Watson, so I like that. And Hopkins is at least one of these, like, the opposite of the fantasy herd. You know what I mean? Like, he is the undisputed number one target hog. He's going to get 160 targets this year. I'm more likely to do the over on D-Hop than Antonio Brown. He had 175 last year, led the league. I think you're probably going to see that again because Deshaun Watson will play, um, hopefully, a full season. 11 targets a game. So go to FantasyFactor.com for their free $1 million Survivor Contest. FantasyFactor.com. It's going to start next week. Thanks for listening. You'll hear me tomorrow on Saturday on Fantasy Sports Today. I'll see you at the draft, Dane. Everybody have a good weekend. Enjoy the football.